0: I'm really honored on this Shabbat through the generosity of our member, Charles Michael. We are fortunate to have a guest speaker this evening, Rabbi Dr. Joshua Plout, who's here from New York. He was ordained at the Hebrew Union College. So he's a Reform rabbi, the same place where all of our clergy were ordained. He also has a PhD from New York University. And he is a wonderful example for all of us about the diversity of possibilities in the rabbinate. He's been a congregational rabbi. He's worked in Hillel and uh, as a chaplain at a university. And he is currently the executive director of the American Friends of Rabin Medical Center um, in New York City. His first book was Greek Jewry in the 20th Century, 1913 to 1983, Patterns of Jewish Survival in the Greek Provinces Before and After the Holocaust. And his recent book is A Kosher Christmas, Tis the Season to be Jewish which is what he'll be speaking about this evening. So why don't we all say a warm Shabbat Shalom, and I hope that I'm sure we will enjoy hearing his teaching tonight. Shabbat Shalom.
1: Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Rabbi, for those very warm words, and I love Jazz Shabbat. I thought it's, this is the way it is in San Francisco. It's great. I uh, have a few minutes to talk to you about uh, my book, A Kosher Christmas is the Season to be Jewish, and I hope I'll give you a little teaser, whet your appetite, so you'll read the book. And uh, what I want to say is this topic that I am going to talk about and I wrote about, and the book is being released officially at the end of the month uh, by Rutgers University Press and on Amazon. I wanted to tell you that this subject is, I think, taboo in the Jewish community. In fact, how is it that in 150 years not one book has been written on Jews and Christmas? Furthermore, and I've studied this subject for 19 years, why are there only a dozen scholarly articles on Jews and Christmas and maybe only two in the last 20 years? Well let me tell you a little anecdote. Last night I was at Congregation Beth Israel in Houston. And I had a little bit more time to speak and so I asked people at the end if they had any personal stories because I'm gonna start with a personal story. Because I think everyone here has a story that could tell about their opinion, their attitude, the life experience that involves Christmas. And when I asked if people wanted in a room like this to share a story at the end, nobody raised their hand. But when I was signing books people were bending over, whispering in my ear and saying, Rabbi, I had a Christmas tree when I was growing up. Or my mother refused to allow me to have stockings. And I thought, there's the proof that this is a topic that has really been taboo and which we have not encouraged conversation and open dialogue. So the story I'd like to begin with is three years ago through the benefits of Facebook, I reconnected with a childhood friend of mine after 40 years who was my best friend from first through third grade. I moved to Israel in 1967, never saw or heard from my friend again, and three years ago I met him in Los Angeles after about 40 years, and last week my friend wrote to me because he heard the book had come out. We both grew up in Great Neck, a completely uh, a suburb in Long Island that's probably 80% Jewish, I, the son of a Reform rabbi. Forest Hills, Hills we neighbors. And I was startled when he sent me this email. He wrote, I think I told you that we celebrated Christmas every year. We never got a present on Hanukkah. We lit the electric menorah, yes, twisted in a light bulb. Very strange, but safe. But that was all. My mother drew the line at a tree though. We were never allowed to have one. It was all very strange but delightful. It made me look forward to Christmas every year as a child and every year now as an adult. As I married a non-Jew and my children have been raised without religious instruction, I can tell you now that they will pass on Christmas to their children. Well, let's face it, as I said, everyone in this room probably has a unique Christmas story. I see some of you shaking your heads. So why is it that Christmas evokes strong feelings among Jews in the United States? A little context, some facts. Christmas is our most popular national holiday. But of all our holidays, only Christmas is founded on religious beliefs with traditions and symbols associated with Christianity. It was declared a federal holiday in 1870. And since then, it's been celebrated privately in homes and churches and publicly in town squares and shopping malls across the United States. We all know Christmas is all-pervasive. Sometimes it begins, for some of us, or for the commercial marketplace, at Halloween or Thanksgiving, but it certainly doesn't last one day. So, whether we like it or not, both for celebrant and non-celebrant, there is no hiding from Christmas. Now, unlike my friend Ronnie, who grew up with me in Great Neck, Christmas is not everybody's favorite holiday. And historically, Jews in America have devised a multitude of unique strategies to respond to the holiday season. Do we participate? Do we try to ignore the holiday? or do we create our own traditions and make the season an enjoyable time? What I try to suggest in my book is that particularly in the late 20th and early 21st century we employ a multitude of strategies to face the particular challenges of Christmas and to overcome any feelings of exclusion and isolation. Now my childhood friend Ronnie, who celebrated and celebrates Christmas. This is not unusual if you go back 150 years ago, when the German Jews in Germany and German-speaking lands actually celebrated a cultural form of Christmas with a tree devoid of any religious content. And they brought this custom of displaying a Christmas tree to their homes from Europe to America, including to San Francisco. So here in San Francisco and elsewhere, the German Jews found comfort among other Jews who were searching for a secular alternative to either Christmas or Hanukkah festivities in order to express their civic pride as well as their American patriotism. The book opens with family from San Francisco, the Haas family, and their celebration, which has been chronicled in a book put out by the Magnus, how from the 1870s for over 60 years, Florine and Alice Haas celebrated Christmas and held a huge Christmas party for their extended family and for the aristocratic Jewish families of San Francisco. But it never had any religious content. In fact, their celebration of Christmas and also Easter was more important and meaningful to them than celebrating Passover and Hanukkah. And yes, they belonged to this congregation, too, and have reserved seats for the high holidays. They are using them as an example, but there were Jewish social balls across the United States held by German Jews, held on Christmas, unclear whether it was for Christmas or Hanukkah. And there were Hanukkah balls also. And there were Christmas trees at these social balls and this was also a time when there were evergreens present in Hanukkah celebrations. So guess what? The rabbi of this congregation in, who served here, Rabbi Julius Ekman. I looked at his photograph outside. He's the second rabbi with the black top hat. He spoke in 1867 and listened to what he said about the people in San Francisco, probably members of his congregation, who were celebrating Christmas. He says it also happens that Hanukkah falls about Christmas time, and that in many Jewish families in which their own festival is, is scarce noticed, Christmas is celebrated with presents to the children and illuminations in their parlors. Further, Rabbi Julius Ekman rebuked his congregants for abandoning their own festival, Hanukkah, in favor of Christmas with very harsh words. I'll just cite a few. He quoted the book of Proverbs drink water from your own cisterns, from your own wells, i.e., Hanukkah, and do not ape the stranger. Rabbi Ekman and other Reform rabbis across the United States, as a counterpoint, promoted that Jews should celebrate Hanukkah. And for a hundred years, They promoted and magnified the Hanukkah that we now have today. You also have the East European Jews who arrived who didn't buy into any of this. They they feared Christmas and they rejected it, but the one thing they embraced on the Lower East Side and elsewhere was they started to give gifts during Hanukkah to the members of their family. And they started going to the nickelodeons in 1905 and 6 in Manhattan, which is where the tradition comes from of going to the movies. And the day after Christmas, at least in New York, they would go up to the Catskills because everything was closed. So, a little bit of history. Where are we today? Jumping into the present. How should we respond to Christmas And how have we responded in a different way? Well, my professor Jonathan Sarna said that we still have a Christmas problem. That is that even though it's a national holiday, we still on Christmas can't escape the religious nature of the holiday and therefore our Christmas problem is unresolved. Well, let me tell you, my book tells you that I disagree with my friend and my professor because I think we have created strategies now to actually face Christmas and to make it mostly irrelevant in our lives. So what are a few of the strategies? I'm just going to tick them off and then hopefully you'll want to know more and you'll read the book. So when it comes to magnifying Hanukkah, did you know that there was a survey by 1988 that a majority of Jews in America celebrated Hanukkah? 98% of all Reformed Jews in 1988 lit candles. 87% by the Orthodox. Can you believe we're more than the Orthodox of lighting candles? 79% by conservative and 70% of non practicing Jews lit Hanukkah candles. So it worked. From the time of Rabbi Ekman's rebuking his congregation until the pre- 1980s, we definitely co opted Hanukkah. Now, what are the ways we've actually taken it into the mainstream? Well, I interviewed a woman. Who in 1996, Myrna Holtzman, is the person responsible for the first Hanukkah stamp. And since then, it's been reissued every year by the US Postal Service. And then I found out about other grassroots campaigning when in 1997, a nine year old girl, Mallory Blair Greitzer, convinced Leona Helmsley, after the, she said no, to have the lights on the Empire State Building be blue and white. And then we have in 2003, Jeffrey Hoffman, the Jewish astronaut, who when he was in space, he actually, in the spaceship, brought with him a dreidel and a menorah, and he spun the dreidel. I don't quite understand how that happened in a spaceship. And it was televised live back to Earth by the Chabad-Lubavitch movement. So, we magnified Hanukkah to the point where in Idaho, where there's not a large Jewish community, in December... 7th, 2004, the governor there declared it National Menorah Day, in the, day in, in, the, in the state of Idaho. And finally, in 2009, Senator Orrin Hatch wrote a song as a gift to the Jewish people called Eight Days of Hanukkah. And he had an affection for Jews and Barbara Streisand and wanted her to sing it. <laughs> but he said, acknowledging that given her outspoken liberalism, that a union between me and Barbara to for, form the song would require another Hanukkah miracle. <laughs> Let me just say a few more strategies and then I'll end. There is the whole notion of how another strategy through popular culture we have neutralized Christmas. The greatest example is Irving Berlin's song, White Christmas. It's devoid of any religious content, It makes all of us feel good. It's totally a secular song. And he wrote it as a Jew living in Hollywood, married to a non-Jew, and he celebrated Christmas. But all the major Christmas songs were written by Jews. On the other hand, today you have parodies of like Adam Sandler's song, The Eight Crazy Nights of Hanukkah, which is a subversive way through popular culture to respond to Christmas. You also have another strategy, volunteering on Christmas performing what I call the Christmas mitzvah, going to food shelters and going to shut-ins and preparing meals for old-age homes, and we perform the tasks that I call in opposition to the Shabbos goy, we have become the Christmas Yid. (laughs) And it all goes back to us buying into the message of Charles Dickens and his Christmas carol. When you talk to people, why do they volunteer on Christmas, they'll say, because it's the good Jewish value of tzedakah, and why not do it on Christmas? So it's a strategy of making Christmas Jewish through your acts of volunteerism. And another and final strategy is what I call chrismukah and festivus, holidays for the rest of us. If 50% of all marriages in this day and age are interfaith marriages, what happens now is... People actually, in those types of situations, they talk about how to celebrate either one holiday or the other or to blend them together and to enjoy them without anybody interfering. So it's a new hybrid reality. There are websites, there are cookbooks, there are special uh, gifts for Chris Muka, and this is a way for interfaith families to deal with their strategy for the holiday season. The final one is that we create Jewish rituals for Christmas. And the most famous one is eating Chinese food. And it's a sacred tradition for many of us. In fact, I spent five years, and I write about it, writing about Kung Pao kosher comedy here in San Francisco, and I used to fly out every year, and Lisa Geduldig, and creating this wonderful, experience of comedy and parody on Christmas Eve in a Chinese restaurant has created a template for American Jews to laugh at ourselves and to create a temporary community inside the restaurant in Chinatown, which is safe and secure. And one year at the end of the banquet, she yelled out as everyone was leaving, see you next year, next year in Jerusalem. And I was shocked and happy because I realized her words meant that once you leave that restaurant, that experience, it's still Christmas outside. So all of these strategies in many ways have to do with creating a very tight insider sense of community and it served us well. To the point where I think we have used the seasonal period to rethink, to redefine, and to negotiate what it means to be a Jew in America, and befitting of our status in American society, we have actually reshaped Christmas to make it a more acceptable holiday season for all Americans. Shabbat Shalom.